Hey, shalom, shalom. We are so excited to be able to break forth the word on today. Yeshua said in Yochanan 7 and 37, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Yeshua stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So I want to just share with you on this morning as we celebrate the Feast of Tabernacle, some say Sukkot, um, I just want to share with you the word that the Father has given us. We are excited. We are rejoicing all of this week and forevermore. We are in a continual state of rejoicing. Want to share that with you. And so just want to let you know that the Father has a plan. He has a plan for your life. And we want to get right into the word on today. All right. So when Yeshua, when he said, if any man thirst, let's look exactly what was he talking about. There is one thing um, that we have always been taught in our school of ministry where Dr. Larry was teaching us was something called revelation accommodated. And so when you sit where the person sat, you begin to understand what was going on, the feeling, uh, the culture, what was going on during that time. Why did they say what they were saying when they said it? So that's revelation accommodated. So I want you to uh, know that the father wants to share something about myths and truths about Sukkot. It's really important for us to know that we need to know exactly what did Yeshua, why did he do what he did during that time? What was on his mind? So in Yochanan 7 and 37, it says on the last day, the great day of the feast. So what last day are we talking about? We're talking about there were seven days of feasting, of celebration of the Feast of Tabernacle. And it says that great day of the feast on the first day, there was a Sabbath. And then on the eighth day, there was a Sabbath. It says, Yeshua, he said in a loud voice and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts. Well, first of all, why did he have to cry out? He had to cry out because there was a lot going on at that time. As a matter of fact, during that time, we're talking about revelation accommodated. During that time, people were praising the father. People were singing and uh, bringing, blowing the chauffeur horn and praising and dancing and then pouring water, doing the water ceremony and taking the water from the pool of Shalom, Shalom and then pouring it at the altar, pouring it with the golden vessel and pouring it uh, through the silver vessel. All of these are types and shadows and it means so much. We're not gonna get into that right now. But this is what was going on. And Yeshua stood up and he cried out and he said, and let me share this with you. Let's look at it as I speak. He shared this. He said, if anyone thirsts. So what was going on that he said, if anyone thirsts? Well, during this particular time, agriculture was essential and it was essential to have water. It was essential to have water. So why? Because water, uh, it produced life. It sustained life. They needed water during their ceremonies. They need water 
Uh, as a matter of fact, the priest, before they read the Torah or the word of Elohim, he had to do what? Wash himself with water. So this is so critical. Yeshua said, if anyone thirsts, let them come to me and drink. So you would think that everyone would be excited at this time. There was a mixed emotions when he stood up and he cried out because there was a lot, of, there was a lot going on. People uh, were shouting, as we said, and when he stood up, uh, there was mixed emotion. As a matter of fact, some were saying, who does he think he is? Does he think that he is Elohim? Elohim is the one who provides us water. It was a part of their ritual uh, to pray for water, for the abundance of rain, so that when the harvest were to come, the future harvest, they knew that they needed water. And so some were saying, "Who? I mean, who, what? Who does he think he is? This is blasphemy. And then some were uh, amazed. Some were marveled. Some were saying, this must be the Messiah. We've never heard anyone speak as such. So let's look at this. If any man, if anyone will come, he says, and drink. Okay, if we come to him, that's salvation. That's the message of salvation. When we come to Yeshua, no man can come to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws. And guess what else? No man can go to the Father unless they go through Yeshua. All right, he said, and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This is so important because like I said earlier, they were going back and forth to the pool of Salaam. They were going back and forth. He said, I'm promising you a river, not just a pool, a river of living water. And so as we look at this word, here's, we have a Hebrew word showing here, uh, which is tosme. And this Hebrew word is the word for thirst. So exactly what was he saying, if any man thirsts? Well, does anybody have a strong desire of the life-given spirit of the Father? Hebrew reads from right to left. So we have Saudi, we have Mem and Olive, and that's exactly what that means. A strong desire, a strong pull to have the life-giving spirit of the Father. Now that's powerful. So he was saying, if any man will come to me and drink, that's salvation. Out of him will flow rivers, rivers. Out of his belly, out of his heart will flow rivers. And this is talking about the Holy Spirit. And then later on, we will share uh, other things that it's revealing as well. So today we want to deal with the myths and the truth about Sukkot. The myths and the truth about Sukkot. So Sukkot is also known as Feast of Tabernacles. It's known as Feast of Booths. It's known as Feast of Ingatherings. 
is known as feats of shelter, shelters. We've heard many, I mean, it, we use these, uh, we exchange them, okay? So one person may say feast of uh, tabernacle, another may say feast of booth, but it's all talking about the same thing, the feast of ingatherings, the feast of shelters, all of it. So what is Sukkot? Let's look at it. So the meaning of Sukkot, the meaning is, it means uh, the tabernacle or a dwelling place. So Sukkot is spelled Samit, Kaf, and Hay. And here we have it here. So exactly what does it mean when we we're looking at the spelling of uh, Sukkot? So it's telling us that Yeshua, he came down during this time to do what? To turn, there's that summit, people's heart back to the kingdom of Elohim to reinstate or allow, there's the cave, what was where? What was in heaven right here on earth? It was established. Uh, the word of Elohim tells us, let it be done as it is in heaven on earth. Remember, Adam, he lost his rightful place. So Yeshua had to redeem us. Getting back to here, we're saying that Yeshua came during this time to turn people's heart back to the kingdom of Elohim, to reinstate what was for all who would believe and obey. So as I think about Sukkot right now, I'm thinking about how all over the world, many people are celebrating this festival. Guess what? Many people are still pouring water on the ground. Oh my goodness. Thinking back when Yeshua stood up and he said, if any man thirsts, you know what? They were thirsting after something. They wanted something. And just as those who are still celebrating uh, Sukkot, but don't have the real meaning and the, the spirit behind what's going on and what his desire was, all of that water that was pouring out, they were still dry. See, when we uh, continue to uh, do whatever we want to do as in religion and maintain the rituals and just do whatever we think is right and just whatever, okay, yeah, we're going to keep pouring this water because the Messiah has not come. We're going to, wait a minute. He said, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. All right, so we don't have to pour the water anymore. <laughs> All right, so let's look at this. It was dry, but not anymore. All right, so Yochanan 1 and 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And we have seen his glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So now we want to talk about the three myths of Sukkot. It's really important to know what's true and what's false because, you know, uh, as I was studying and I was looking at some things and I, I began to look at what was on the internet and I said, man, this thing is really twisted. <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, if you rely on the internet for your definitions, you, you're just gonna be lost. You, you have to, we have to um, 
make everything go through the word of Elohim. We have to see it how the father sees it. We have to shine that light through his word. We cannot depend on the internet. We must depend on the spirit of the true and living Elohim. So let's look at this. This is amazing. When, um, I, when I, like I said, when I was looking at some things, I was like, man, what? People really think that Sukkot is for Jews only? That's myth number one. So according to Zechariah, or some say Zechariah 14 and 16, then the survivors from all the nations that have attacked Jerusalem will go up year after year to worship the king. It did not say when it did not say then the Jews from all nations. It said then the survivors will go up from year after year to worship the king, Yahweh Almighty, and to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacle. So even after the seven year tribulation and even into eternity, people are going to be celebrating the Feast of Tabernacle. My question is, if you're not celebrating it now, if not now, when? If not us, who? <laughs> okay, so, and also in Bereshit, Genesis 33 and 17, Jacob, however, went to Sukkot where he built a place for himself and made shelters for his livestock. That is why the place is called Sukkot. So Yaakov, was Yaakov a Jew? Well, that brings us to our next question. So who's a Jew? All of these things we have to ask ourselves, who, who is a Jew? What, I mean, was Yeshua a Jew? I've been hearing things like the Jewish Jesus. I said, okay, so it's 2020 and people still don't know that there are no J's in Hebrew, but okay, all right, so let me keep going. So let's look at Jew, Judah, Judaism. Uh, here, you, here you have, instead of saying Judah, if you don't mind, I want to say Judah or some say Yehuda, whichever you choose. But here's the word for Yehuda and it's, Bob Hay, no, Yud Hay, excuse me, Bob Dalit Hay. I knew that. Yud Hay, Bob Dalit Hay. Really close, really close. Okay, because uh, anyway, I'm not going to deal with that right now, but let's look at what a definition of Jew, getting right back on track. Definition of Jew. Well, um, we're talking about myths, so let's look at some of the myths, and some of these may be true, and we're going to talk about what's true and what's not. Number one, a person belonging to a continuation through descent or conversion of the ancient Jewish people whose mother was converted. Okay, so what you're saying, um, if a person has a Jewish mother and she has been converted, and her husband is an atheist, basically you're saying that if they have children, the children are going to be Jew. That's what Judaism, that's what Judaism teaches. I haven't found that in scripture yet. Where did it come from? It came from people making up stuff. It, it's, it's, and you know, I know there are some people who are, uh, you may be uh, uh, a person who worship or practice 
There it is, practice Judaism. Well, the word Elohim never told us that if your mother was converted. See, that's something that they constructed in their own laws. All right, so let's look at this. Let's look at the next one. Number two, a race of people. How is it that when I was filling out an application, it was asking me, was I white? Was I black? Was I Jew? I said, what? Being a Jew is not, it's not about being a race of people. What is going on here? <laughs> no, absolutely no. And here, uh, number three, a member of a tribe or of the tribe of Judah, a member of the tribe of Judah. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, and then B, an Israelite. Okay, well, we know how, uh, what happened, where, where Judah, where it came from. Well, Judah was one of the sons of Jacob who was changed, name, name was changed to Israel, and that's where we got the Israelites, right? Okay, and then for a member of the nation existing in Palestine from the sixth century BC to the first century AD. And then number five, one whose religion is Judaism. So let's look at this because we, we have a lot of questions brewing here. So if a person is declared a Jew because they practice Judaism, let's just look at the scriptures and let's see what the scripture has to say about it. So in Yochanan 5, 9 through 15, the word Elohim reads, and that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. He was talking about Yeshua. Yeshua told him to do that. Verse 12, then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was. Yeshua had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Yeshua found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more least the worst thing come upon you. That's a whole nother message. Now keep on saying because Elohim, he understand. No, that's not what he said. He said, go and sin no more. Verse 15, the man departed and told the, the Jews that it was Yeshua who had made him well. Okay, now let's look at the next part. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Yeshua and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. Verse 17, in his defense, Yeshua, Yeshua said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling Elohim his own father, making himself equal with Elohim. Let's set the record straight. <laughs> Let's set the record straight. We were just talking about, well, 
who's a Jew? Who's not? Okay, so Yeshua, he healed on the Sabbath and religion, Judaism had a problem with it. Religion and relig uh, rituals are so powerful until it will make you reject the precepts of Elohim. We've got to get this. So we have to make sure that we don't become a prisoner of our own misconceptions like they were. How, how is it that they could rebuke Yeshua and say, how dare you heal on the Sabbath? Well, the Sabbath was made for man. So it was those who were practicing Judaism who were going against Yeshua. So I just wanted to make a distinction there. So here's the question. Here's the question. Let's keep moving. Let's keep on moving. Here's the question. So we know that this word Jew popped up from somewhere and we're laying a foundation uh, just to get an understanding because some things that we say, we just say it because that's all what we've been hearing and we'll say Jew and because it was, the dictionary says Jew, but let's look at this. The brief history of Judah after the death of King Solomon, the kingdom split into the Northern Kingdom which kept his name Israel, right? Yes. And the Southern Kingdom was called Judah. Okay, so there was a split. Or Judah, the Northern tribe refused to accept Robin, the son of Solomon, as their king. And so the word Jew actually prompted from Judah and they called themselves shorting it, shorting it, shorting it, and saying Jew instead of Judah. So that's where we get the word Jew from, okay? So let's look at it further. The tribe of Judah, the tribe of Judah, what, what's so special about it? Well, the tribe of Judah stands out among the 12 tribes because it's of its association with the house of David, the Southern kingdom of Judah. And then also in Lucas, the word tells us uh, chapter 1, 32 and 33 verse, he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. Yahweh Elohim will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. So it brings us to the question of why was the tribe of Judah, why were they even chosen? Why were they chosen? So in Malikam, uh, Allah, 1 Kings 12 and 20, now it came to pass when all of Israel heard that Yeroboam had come back, they sent for him and called him to the congregation and made him king over Israel. Look at, look at this part. It says, there was none who followed the house of David, but the tribe of Judah only. See, Judah, the tribe of Judah was a special tribe. It was, it was not based on uh, Judaism, as many were thinking, those who were practicing the religion of it, adding all of these different additional laws and saying, oh, you, you're healing on the Sabbath and oh, I can't believe you did this. And okay, stop. All right, in Tehillim uh, 78 and 67, 
He rejected the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loves. So it brings us back to the question, was Yeshua a Jew? Well, he was, but he wasn't, but he was. He was in that uh, he came from the tribe of Judah, yes, uh, but he, he did not practice Judaism. Now, some will say, oh, wait a minute. It said he, it was custom. Well, let's look at it. I mean, you have to keep on searching and digging. He wasn't with all of those rituals. He's the one who went there to straighten them out. So when he stood up at this big celebration and telling them, if any man thirst, when he did that, and some of them had a fit, like, wait a minute, you're breaking up our ceremony. How dare you? How dare you do this? Don't you see that we have spent all this time? See, rituals uh, and rituals versus relationship. Rituals versus knowing the spirit and true and living Elohim. Rituals will get you nowhere. We have to make sure that we are clinging to his word. Remember that word we were talking about thirsting, having a strong desire to be pulled to the father. Well, what are we pulling? We're pulling to his precepts. We're drawn to his ways, not, not how I thought it should go or not because of my ancestors, they did it this way and we're gonna always do it this way. Not because you were born in it, it's time for a change. So as we talk about the revelation of Sukkot, we know that Yeshua, this was his dwelling place. Uh, the, his, he became flesh and he tabernacled, he dwelled. The word became flesh and, and dwelled among us. This is amazing. How could I say that I am truly following Yeshua and I'm saying, oh, that's for the Jews. How, how can I fix my mouth? Okay, wait. Maybe I'm doing that because I, I just wasn't taught. Maybe it's because, uh, you know, when I was growing up, well, that's that Jewish holiday. Maybe it's because when I went on the internet, I saw that, yeah, that's, those are the Jewish feasts. What, huh? For real? Um, they're the Hebrew feast. Okay. So, yes, he did go to the synagogue to teach kingdom precepts. And it tells us in Lucas 4 and 14, but he never got into the rituals. We need to remember that. So let's look at Matthew 23. Then Yeshua spoke to the crowds and to his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees, well, who were the Pharisees? Those were the religious Jews, remember that? Okay, there were the leaders. Uh, who sit on the seat of Moshe. Therefore, do and observe everything that they tell you, but do not do as they do. <laughs> Whoa. So let's deal with that part. He said, do and observe. What is he asking them to observe? He's asking them to observe what the father had already spoken, his precepts, his word, the 10 national covenants. For, for, for us, okay? So this is what he was saying, not the other rituals. 
For they tell others to do something, but do not do it themselves. And they tie up heavy burdens and put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing with their finger to move them. Wow. Yeshua <laughs> uh, sure was no joke. And they, do, and they do all their deeds in order to be seen by people, for they make their phylacteries broad and make their tassels and they love the place of honor at banquets and the best seats and let me share it here so that you can see it and they love the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues you know something okay let me finish reading this and then i'm gonna share this and the greetings in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by people but you are not to be called rabbi because one is your teacher and you all are brothers. See, he came to straighten some stuff out. Rabbi, rabbi, oh, rabbi this, rabbi. He's like, no, stop. If we're still, if we're still doing it, why? Because of man-made traditions. And do not call anyone your father on earth for one is your heavenly father and do not be, and do not be called teachers because one is your teacher and that is the Messiah. So when I was searching for rabbi, you know, uh, you're talking about Ro Roboni, the master teacher. Um, basically, it's dealing with a person who, who is like a teacher of teachers. But in Judaism, it's, it, they take it on a different level. It's just totally different from what the father, what his ideal was. We need to follow the precepts of the father, not go with what was going on for all these years and what we thought and what has trickled down. And no, no, as we study and as we get back to the principles, um, then we see clearly that we need to change the way that we think. Yeshua came and said, change the way, this, change, just change. Shoot, change, change, change the way that I think. So I was listening to someone and they were saying how in the synagogue, how there's a price for seats. And I said, for real? People are paying, people are paying for seats. Wait, wait, what? Okay, no, that, that couldn't be, that could not be. All right, so I, I just, you know, we have gotten further and further away from uh, what the father wants to do here. So let's look at it. Let's look at this. Yeshua. You teach it. Here it is. Yeshua is saying this to us today. He said, Yeshua was a Ebri, or some say Ebram when it's plural, Ebri. He was a Yehudite, or yes, Yehudite, not based on the religion of Judaism as many teach. So Ebri, Hebrew, we can say he was an Ebri, Yeshua, not a Jewish Jesus. It's 2020. Why are we? <laughs> no, not a Jewish Jesus. Sometimes I, I watch this particular show and I was like, stop saying Jewish Jesus. <laughs> I'm talking to the screen. What? It's not a race of people. If you were to go, to uh, what 
they call Africa. The name was changed. If you were to go there, you will see Jews, what they call Jews, but you will see Hebrews that look just like me. But for some reason, for some reason, and we know what that reason is, and it, it goes back to systemic racism. We know that they want to redefine uh, things and rewrite things and make it appear to be a certain way and steal history and make it, you know, it's really difficult to find true history. But when you're digging deep and when you're studying for yourself and not just uh, holding on to what has been passed down to you, did you know that what has been passed down to you may not be the right thing? That's why the scripture says that we need to study to show ourselves approved so that what? We will be a workman that's not ashamed, right? All right, so let's look at this. Wow. I, I just, I'm just, yeah. Let's go to the next scripture. Here's the question that I have for you on today. And I was just pondering, thinking about it. Um, the, here's the question. What side of the fence are you on? Uh, which, which is worse? Here's the question. Which is worse? Keeping the feast and not accepting Yeshua as Messiah? Going on with rituals and keeping the law or the Torah, but not the spirit? In other words, oh, we're going to, no, you better not heal on the Sabbath. Don't you lift a finger on, okay, what is the Sabbath? That's another teaching. What, what side of the fence are you on? Or are you on the side that says uh, you're getting farther and further away from the 10 national laws of the covenant and becoming more and more pagan with celebrating everything but the right thing? What, what side? Celebrating Christmas but refusing to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacle, celebrating Easter instead of unleavened bread. See, some things were passed on to us, and when, but when you know better, you change, and then you do better. Celebrating Pentecost instead of Shavuot. So there is a uh, quote that I want you to, to see. This is by a, a very good writer. I'm, I'm amazed at his ministry and how the father is using him mightily in the kingdom and how he is a teacher of teachers. Okay, the Hebrew language reveals the era of mixing the pagan idolatrous culture of the Greeks and Romans and gives it back its Hebrew perspective. This is what the Hebrew language, this is why we have to study, not from a Western mindset. And I know it's difficult, but we have to study from a Hebrew mindset. mindset. And this is by uh, Dr. Larry Smith. You can find that in his Kingdom Keys of Revelation book. Okay, so let's get right to it. Now here we have Sukkot. Sukkot, we, we were just saying how Sukkot, it means tabernacle, it means the dwelling place. And it's also known as uh, uh, the feast of shelters, the feast of ingathering. It's also known as the feast of booths. All of that's wonderful. 
But if I'm out celebrating and I don't understand why I'm celebrating and I'm just going through the motion, I'm just going through the rituals, then should I really be, should I really be doing it? I'm, I'm really just doing something. That's how powerful religion is. All right, so Chakot is a celebration of, and let me share this so you can see it. Chakot is a celebration of his presence. Sukkot, Sukkot is a celebration of his provision. Sukkot is a celebration of his power. And so when we're looking at this, his presence, what happened? He manifested into this world and we have been empowered by the governor that's on the inside. Remember he said, it will, will flow from you, drink of me, and then what will happen? will flow from you. I think another trans, translation says, it will flow out of your belly. One says heart, another says belly. But anyway, this is talking about the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, our governor. And his provisions, uh, Sukkot is demonstrated, his provisions, he came to do what? To redeem us back to our rightful position. See, when he, uh, came, we don't really want to use the word birth because he was, he is, and he is to come. But when he manifested himself, he came to redeem us back to our rightful positions as eternal heirs so that we could have the privilege of returning our tithes, our first fruits, mildewed, and our mildewed fruits. You know, he has provided this way. This is his kingdom economic system. He did all of this so that we could be blessed. All right. And his power. He has given us dominion as kingdom ambassadors, not over other people, but over our circumstances. We need to remember that. All right. So we talked about the first myth and that was uh, Sukkot is just for Jews only. Well, we talked about, well, what is a Jew? Where did that come from? And what should we even um, say the word Jew? Because really, uh, there was a time when that that word was used to as mockery or to ridicule or to call people names. But it, we know that it's a short derivative of Judah. But I don't know about you. I'm from I'm from the tribe of Judah. All right. Just like my big brother. Okay, so number two, the second myth, the feast have passed. We no longer need to keep the feast. This was taught. I remember hearing this. This was taught to me when I was um, in the religion of Christianity. Remember, Judaism is a religion. Yeshua didn't come to start a religion. Christianity is a religion. Yeshua did not come to start Christianity. He came to proclaim and break forth the kingdom message. All right. So in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 5 and 8, therefore, let us keep the festival. The word is here. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread, the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Well, what is the truth? Yeshua is the truth. 
His word is truth. It's, as a matter of fact, uh, we have olive mem tav. That spells truth. He says that he is the olive. He's the mem and the top. Every, all the way through it, no matter how you look at it, that's him. All right, so moving on. So we know that that's a, that's a myth. The feast is not passed. Should we do it? Yes. Why? Because we're going to do it um, later on, even throughout eternity. Myth number three, it's optional. Well, we just said, we just said, I mean, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. Who told you that? Who, 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 who card? <laughs> that sounds like Dr. Larry. Who, 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 who car? Who car? I mean, who garage you had your car parked in? There it is. Who, 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 who? No, it is not optional. Shemoth in Exodus, it tells us 12 and 14, this is a day that you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Jews. Absolutely not. Here it is, this print is right here, right before us as a festival to Yahweh, a lasting ordinance. And then also in Shemot 23 and 14, three times a year, you are to celebrate a festival to me. There are truths that I wanna share with you. There are truths that I wanna share with you. And because of the limitation of time, I'm gonna to have to come back and teach this part, but I do want to share this. I do want to share this with you. There are six life-changing truths. And, and by the way, there are, there are several uh, myths. It's more than just three. Those are just some of the top surface that we have heard. Hopefully that was enough to help someone break free and realize that the Feast of Tabernacle Hey, he was talking about me. He was talking about those who are obedient to his word. Hey, what? I want that provision. I want to be empowered. I want his presence. Yes. All right. I want all of what the father has for me. So let's just, I want to just share with you one, one life-changing truth. And that is the more deed first fruit giving guarantees prosperity from season to season. Oh man, I love that. Come on, from season to season. My husband and I, we have a garden. And so right now in the garden, it's time for winter greens. It's not good to plant winter greens. I mean, excuse me, it's not, plant, it's not good to plant greens in the summer. You could, but you're going to be fighting all of the bugs and they'll probably eat them up. It's better to uh, plant those greens, you know, when it's a little cooler, like now. And then when that first frost hit it, those greens will be just right. But guess what? In the spring, there's going to be another crop. So here it's saying, when I give my Moadi first fruit giving, it guarantees me prosperity from season to season. Well, it's a little bit different from uh, the first fruit giving, just the ongoing first fruit giving. 
in which that was taught incorrectly for a long time, but now we have truth. Whenever we receive increase, we should what? Give our first fruit giving. First fruit giving does what? And then I'm going to go back to Moadib. First fruit giving guarantees the overflow. And so in Proverbs or Mishli 3 and 9, honor Yahweh with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Well, some of us don't have barns. <laughs> Uh, some of us, uh, most of us have bank accounts, but I want my bank account to be overflowing. Why? Because the kingdom economic system tells me that when I work his system, his system is going to work for my life. And so in um, Moadid first fruit giving, we we're talking about how that guarantees prosperity from season to season. Watch this in Devarim or Deuteronomy 16, verse 16 Let's read this. Three times a year, all you males shall appear before Yahweh, your Elohim, in the place where he chooses, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Tabernacles. And they shall not appear before Yahweh empty-handed. What is he saying? You need... <laughs> This is a requirement. This is the distinction between the Moadid first fruit. This first fruit is special. So many different things happen uh, during the Moadid first fruit. I won't be able to get into that now. But uh, one thing in particular that I want to mention, uh, King Solomon, he prayed and dedicated the temple during first, Moadid first fruit giving. When I saw that, I was like, oh man, that's awesome. That, that was not a coincidence, that was huge. And it was King Solomon who prayed and asked the father, not only for wisdom, but if you continue to read and just go back and check it out for yourself, he was asking the father for rain. He said, send the abundance rain for my future harvest. Wait a minute, so here's the tie. Moody first fruit giving guarantees prosperity from season to season. There will be no drought. The drought is over. When I hook up to the kingdom economic system, when I retrain my mind, when I think how I'm supposed to think, then I will clearly see that the blessings of Yahweh will rest on my life. Okay, in verse 17, every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of Yahweh, your Elohim, which he has given you. Man, that's powerful. I, I, I don't wanna show you that, can't get into that. That's awesome, that is awesome. Never will the Feast of Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacle look the same to you again. As the kingdom ambassador, it is your right. It is your right. It is your privilege. It is an honor to be able to celebrate this time of rejoicing. So as I just remind you of the word, what the word is already saying, just be reminded that we celebrate his presence. We celebrate his power. We celebrate all of these things during Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacle, 
because he has empowered us to do so. So on today, I want to invite you to the kingdom. Oh my goodness, Father, I thank you for your presence right now. I want to invite you to the kingdom. Maybe you are a person who are, you're practicing Judaism because that's all you've known. Maybe you're a person who you're practicing Christianity and you know that something is just not right. I went ahead and said it because we can't just live how we want to and say, God, forgive me for real. According to his word, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, you will obey me. The question is never, does he love us? The question is, do I have a corresponding action that demonstrates that I love him? I want to invite you to the kingdom. So on today, I hope you were blessed by this message. Remember on all of our social media, remember to like and subscribe on our YouTube channel and the other social media platforms. We are just excited. Please, please remember we are in this feast and we will be ministering every day. We'll be ministering um, in this word, this powerful word explosion. There will be other ministers coming on right from our ministry. And then Dr. Larry, you're going to hear from him again. You're going to hear from me again because I, I have some more truths, some life-changing truths that I want to uh, share with you. So be blessed. And we want to say shalom, shalom to you.